0: Sorry about that. For those of you who are watching, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Now we are in somewhere else. We'll pick it back up in verse 10. Sorry about that, Isaac. In which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And pay attention to verse 13 and 14. Follow the pattern of the sound word that you may have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, notice this, guard the good deposit entrusted to you let me pray over us this morning and would you join me god i thank you lord for your goodness and your grace thank you lord that you have deposited something within us that you have entrusted us with god we do not take that for granted lord i pray for those who aren't here for those who may be sick For those who are watching online, we just lift everyone up to you, God. We pray, God, that you would bring salvation in this room. Those who are watching, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to look at a few passages in 2 Timothy over the next three weeks as we kind of step into a a time of transition. And I wanted to kind of just highlight a few of uh, kind of central themes that are going on in in 2 Timothy. It's interesting to give you a little context of what's happening. As I suggested, this is Paul's last days. All right, Paul is awaiting. Uh, he's in prison. Uh, this is his last letter that he's writing here. And what is awaiting Paul is to be martyred by the hands of Nero. So here's Paul in, in this cell. When it's cold outside, it's really cold in the cell. He's probably hungry. He's been abandoned by some of his friends. He's been beat up, broke down. And yet, what does Paul do while death is right here in front of him? Does he sit there lamenting? Does he sit there wondering like, God, why have you put me in this prison cell? Does he sit there wondering like, God, your plan just can't move on without me? What does he do? In his final farewell, he takes time to write to Timothy. And he gives them this thing. In, in, chapter, in, in the first Timothy, we found a lot of Paul telling Timothy to really guard yourself from false doctrines that are coming, again, coming into the church. And now he's just echoing that same theme. And he tells them, guard this deposit. Because what's going to happen in the next two years... Paul is going to get executed at the hands of Nero. Nero was a very wicked dude, y'all. Killed his mama. Killed his wife. One time he he was taking a little trip uh, in his little villa and, um, and got word that Rome had been set on fire. A lot of people blame Nero, but Nero wanted to pass blame on the Christians, and therefore what did Nero do? He had Christians persecuted. In fact, some of the Writings that we get is that he would strip them down and put animal flesh on the Christians, throw them in the Colosseum, and unleash wild animals to eat them alive. He's a very wicked brother, one you don't want on your side. And so here's Paul waiting to be martyred by the wicked Nero. And he tells Timothy something important guard the deposit within you. If I had one thing to say to you, church, one thing to say to us, that's so crucial for you and I, that we have to guard the deposit. What is, what are we guarding? What is that deposit? Well, it's, it's the gospel. Let me take you in a little uh, context here and what's happening in the Greek. Uh, The meaning here to guard is is that you have this solemn obligation of having been entrusted with another person's possession and you have this responsibility to keep it safe and return it back to the owner in the same condition in which you found it. And so now, church, look at it in light of that, that God has deposited something within you that one day you will return it back to Him. And it must not be uh thwarted with it must not be messed with or or nobody must be uh changing its message but the holy spirit has deposited this message this word of god within you and one day you will present it back to him again we are we see that we are never permitted to change this message never to water it down never to to change its content to to make it something that's inoffensive. But this gospel message is offensive, and we are to take it at its worth and at its value. And this message is this hope of the world that God has saved us, and he's called us into a holy life. And I love Paul because Paul is actually reminding them of the gospel in this, when he says, this ain't got nothing to do with you, boo. This ain't got nothing to do with anything that you can do or anything that you've ever done in your life. It's just by God has chosen you, and it's just by His grace. That's it. That's this gospel that Paul is talking about, this good news, this message, this message of redemption, this message of that God came to save sinners, this message that Jesus took our place on the cross and absorbed all of the wrath of God on your behalf. That's what we are guarding. That's what we are protecting. Lest it be lost. Lest it be mixed in with some false narrative, false gospel. Have you ever lost anything before? So this one time, um, I was at Kroger, and this is a really... um, this was a very intense 30 minutes of my life All right i realized at some point my license and my debit card were no longer in my pants pocket i could have sworn i put them in there we went through every aisle wasn't there went to the front desk wasn't there like asking people have you seen a license or debit card, as if somebody in their right mind is gonna be like, Yeah, no, I ain't seen it, you know? <laughs> and so I we 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 get on and we check out because we had another method of payment, and and we get into the car, Myrna's like, check the trash can. I'm like, what are you talking about? Tra- check the trash can. So I check the trash can at Kroger, and lo and behold, there was my license and debit card. Because previously, upon getting out of my vehicle, I had taken a bunch of trash because my children, they're disgusting, and they keep trash in my vehicle all of the time. And I put it into a Kroger bag, which I don't know why I had a Kroger bag in my car, because it's trash, I guess. And some al- somewhere along the way, I would mixed up my license and debit card with trash. And I had thrown them away. Sometimes we do that with the gospel. And, I'm, and my fear is that so many of us as Christians, we do that. It just becomes this insignificant thing that just kind of gets mixed in with all of the messages of the world. And sooner or later, before you know it, it's been thrown away and it's lost okay. its value yeah. because we have not guarded the gospel. Okay. How do we guard this gospel? Well, Paul kind of gives us a little. Insight into this before he talks about guarding the gospel look what he says in verse 12 he says which is why I suffer as I do but I am not ashamed now if you were to protect a valuable item you would probably lock it away put it into a safe where people couldn't get it where it was no one could touch it where it was inaccessible That's what you would do to protect an item. But if you were to protect valuable news, you wouldn't want to lock that away. You would want that news to be heralded out. You would want that news to not be lost. Like you don't want to hide something that is important, like a message. And what would you do? You would take this message And you would pass it along to, not the fake news, but you would pass it along to the reliable folk that you know and that you trust. Like if I had this gospel message, I wouldn't just keep it to myself. Guarding the deposit doesn't mean that I am keeping it to myself, but I am entrusting it to those who are reliable so that then they can deposit it into someone else who is reliable. I wouldn't give it to like, I wouldn't ask like the next Jehovah's Witness or Muslim that I see and be like, hey, can you help me uh, pass along this, this gospel message? Why? Because they don't have the right gospel. They don't have the true gospel. And you need people that you can entrust to share this gospel with. And this is what Paul is doing here in this context. Paul is passing along This deposit into Timothy, and he's telling him that you too, you were to pass along this deposit and find reliable people to pass along. Do not be ashamed. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. Do not be embarrassed by Christ. Do not be ashamed of this message. You know, when we are ashamed, we're ashamed. Because at every moment we have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ, to share the gospel, and we don't, that's when we're ashamed. Like y'all know like Christmas time is such a wonderful time. Everybody the day after Christmas looks fabulous. You'd be rocking your Yeezys, your Jays, you'd be rocking them EarPods, your new iPhone, and you'd you showing everybody. Like you go into Walmart, everybody got suddenly these nice clothes. You're like, Baby, you don't even dress like the rest of the year. Why are you, what? Thank you, Donna, because I thought that was a lot funnier than what it was. You're not ashamed of like a gift of something of value. We should be proud of this gift of grace and not ashamed that God has adopted you into the family of God. Like, how can we be ashamed of what Christ has done for us? Of a God who's been Faithful. There's something about the power of reminders that gives us a reason not to be ashamed. Let me say that one more time. There's something about the power of reminders that gives us a reason to not be ashamed. Like think back on your life, on how God has been so faithful to you. Man, I I can I can give you story after story after story. And so, then, therefore, why would I be ashamed of a God who's been faithful to me in my life? I mean, God's brought us out of a lot of messes. Like, like I was just thinking about this, and I was thinking about how five years ago, uh, we were in Atlanta, and we were playing in a park, and I had, I had my kids with me, and, and suddenly Nora just dropped to the ground and banged her head on the concrete, eyes spinning around, and, man, I freaked out. I didn't know what was going on with my baby girl. And we had, like, heart tests, brain tests, all these seizures, t- like, everything. And and the, the, the scariest part is, like, everybody was like, we don't know what's wrong. And I remember, like, following along in the ambulance, and and Jude, man, he was just, you know, he's, he's got such a big heart, and and we were both just kind of sobbing. I just remember grabbing Jude. I said, Jude, listen, God has this in control. And now she's, she's okay. She's fine. Five years later, I think about how God has been faithful for me in my own personal life. And that to me is a reminder why would I ought to be ashamed of Christ, of what he's done for me? And the faithfulness that he has displayed. Paul gives us this example of what this looks like to not be ashamed. Like Paul's the guy out front. He's the one teaching. He's an apostle. And unfortunately this message, he's the guy they want to kill. Paul walks through like all of this suffering that he goes through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 22 through 28. He's like, Y'all, I've been beat with a rod. I've been stoned. I've been, like, shipwrecked. I've been bit by a snake. And, like, in all of this, I'm not ashamed, he says here in First Second Timothy. Despite all of the persecution, despite being shipwrecked, beside being fearful of his life, not having food, in the cold, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this. Paul says, why? Because Paul knows him. And that's the difference between those of us who are ashamed and those of us who are not ashamed. Paul not only just knew of Christ, but he knew Christ. He knew him because there's a difference between knowing about someone and then actually knowing that person. When we know Jesus, we won't be ashamed. Paul knew him, and therefore he could not be ashamed. Like, have you ever had that family member that you're ashamed of? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm sitting by him. Can we move on to a different topic? Like, like a relationship, past relationship, you're like, I don't really want to bring this up. I'm, I'm ashamed of this. Now look what Paul says in verse 13, because Paul's not ashamed, and he says this. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. You know the saying like, um, do as I say, not as I do? Come on, parents. How many of you have said said that to your kids? It's unhealthy. But I say it anyway. This isn't Paul's message. Paul's message is, do as I say, do as I do. And that should be our message also. And this is counter- the Western Church model. This is counter that idea because I think, and there's a subtle jab at, at the Church of America, so many times we've placed so much, I think, probably too much emphasis on leadership. Need more leaders, be a leader, be a leader, be a leader, be a leader. And yes, I'm not saying we don't need leaders, but I just think, just as my personal observation, we've placed too high of a priority on this message of leadership. But the message here is we need more followers. Paul is saying, follow me. Like, do as I am doing. We need more followers in the church. Now, verse 15, because this kind of gets a little interesting because there's a reality here that Paul paints to is that I didn't read verse 15 And the reality is, is that some of you will guard the gospel. But the sad truth, some of you will not, and you'll leave. And I know that's true because I've seen it. Look what he says, because these are some very interesting names here that I hope I get right. Verse 15. You are aware that all who are in Asia... I didn't know if there was like a Jericho march going on right there, or like somebody got the Holy Spirit. It was just him. Let me say that again. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus, or Phygelus, however you say that, Hermogenes, may the Lord grant mercy to the household speak in tongues right there and cover it up. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, look what he says here. He searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Like, what a way uh, to have your name in the Bible for all eternity. Poor Phygelus and Hermo. They're going to be known for eternity as the two knuckleheads that would not guard the gospel and guard this treasure. But they're going to be the ones who are known who abandon it. And left it. But then you got the one guy, oney here. He was willing to do whatever it took to guard. Do you know how you can crush a move of a God? Do you know how you can shut down a church really fast? You could be ashamed of the gospel and abandon it. You want to know how you can lose your influence in this community refuge? You can abandon the gospel and be ashamed of it. Let me give a few practical steps um, because I think this message is important for us to guard this deposit that's been deposited within us as we step into the unknown of our church. our church. Just a few things that I think we can, some lessons we can find from this passage. The first thing is, like, you got to know what you believe, and you have to know who you believe. You have to know what you believe. You have to know who you believe. And and Ligonier Ministries put out this research they did um, on this kind of the state of theology in the United States of America. this was put out recently and a couple months ago it, it found in their research that 30% of self-proclaimed Christians said that Jesus was a great teacher but he was not God 66% disagree so do the math there's 4% who are just like I don't know Then they surveyed those who are not Christians. And it had flipped, basically, on how the world views Jesus. Another question, or another thing they said here, God accepts the worship of all religions. 42% of self-proclaimed Christians agree with that statement. that god accepts the worship of the muslim who says that jesus was just a good teacher and and here's the funny thing about that argument which i think is hilarious if jesus claims he's god if that's false he's delusional and he needs to be put up in a mental institution he's not a great teacher because that's his message he's proclaiming. So I don't get the argument of he's not God, he's a great teacher. No. If he's claiming he's God and he's not, Jesus is delusional. But we know that not to be true. You have to know what you believe and know who you believe. Paul is making this argument throughout this whole chapter to his protege, little Tim, is telling him, you've got to guard this doctrine, this treasure, this teaching, this gospel message that Jesus is God, and he came to save sinners. The other thing here is, is if that sounds terrifying, right? If it sounds terrifying that your mandate, biblically, is to proclaim and herald this good news You don't have to worry because it's not all all on you because look what he says here. Know who gives you the power to do it. Look at verse 7. Of verse 7, before we got into verse 8, God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of love, power, self-control. And then he goes on in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering the gospel by what the power of god the power of god that's within you you feel you feel fearful you got the holy spirit inside of you you feel intimidated by these quacks in our culture today maybe you got the holy spirit inside of you you feel like well nobody's gonna listen to me You have the Holy Spirit inside of you that will break and penetrate any wall that it chooses to. Why would we be ashamed if we know we have the Holy Spirit inside of us? The third thing here, if we can make another application point, is is you have to have examples to follow. Now, like I said, we have such an incredible emphasis on leadership. You do need leaders to follow. Timothy had Paul. Timothy's telling Paul, do as I am doing. This is what we call discipleship. You need an example. If you're going to (laughs) survive, if you're going to survive the Christian faith, you need somebody that can hold you up. You need someone you can follow as they are following Jesus. Let it be an elder here. Let it be a lay leader here. Let it be someone you trust, a godly person you trust. But you need to follow somebody to help you. And and let me flip that around. If you've been wondering, well, what's my place here at Refuge? Be an example I don't know. You haven't figured it out yet. Find somebody and pour into their life. Find a young person. Find a young family. Find a single mom. Find a single parent. Be the example they can follow. Wow, I feel like I just gave us such some deep revelation. Why would you feel lost in any church when that's your mandate? This other part, lastly here, is you need support. Like, Paul just put the two jokers on blast. I would, I would hate to be um, Hermo and the other dude. I'm, that's just what I'm calling That didn't sound right, but anyway. Like, would you hate to be that guy? Like, they write about you in the Bible, but you're the guy that left them and abandoned the gospel. But, there's one of you. Paul's like, but I had my brother. Well, he was there to support me. Look what he said. He says, he refreshed me. Where do you find the support? You find it in the church. We're better when we're together. You need the church over the next three months, the six months, the 12 months of this transition that we're going through. You're going to need each other. To hold you up. Refuge. What Paul is saying here. Guard it. Guard the deposit that has been deposited inside of you. If you feel weak, you have the Holy Spirit. You have each other. May this church thrive and grow by this by guarding the deposit guard the gospel share it and grow in the gospel together guard the deposit that is inside of you let me pray Father